Hello and welcome back to the FEZ show and what a week we have had in the world of Formula E and potentially for all the wrong reasons. My name is Jack George Maynard and the big news this week is the departure of BMW and Audi and that Formula E is in its own crisis which some people are already batting away. But really and truly for me after a day or two to let this information sink in for me Formula E could be plunging into a really dark place. Joining me, as always, is the wonderful Edward Hunter and Jack Pickering. Evening, boys. Good evening. Uh, it's good to have someone wonderful in a crisis, isn't it, Jack? Yes, it is. It's good to have someone wonderful in a crisis because we need that right now. Because, oh my God, Formula E, like I'm, I said in my intro, like I've had a day or two now to let this sink in, Pico. Okay, I've had a day or two to let this sink in, and I really think that this is not a good look for Formula E, and it shows things that we've been talking about, niggling problems, simmering, that I think we've spoken about, about, you know, when are they going to let develop the karma, what's the potential of the roadmap, and then for BMW to come out and say... That it's like we've exhausted all our options. We can't really do much more. You know, going into Gen 3 doesn't look like much is going to change. And we've been questioning this roadmap and, and what's been going on with Formula E and what the future holds. And for BMW to come out and say that when a championship should be pioneering electric cars, it's quite damning. Yeah, well, it came, I think, as a, uh, well, it came as a massive shock to me. I wasn't really expecting to see that um, coming out the other night. Um, yeah, they are two big manufacturers in in um, in Formula E. They are two of really the first that really got on got on board with this. Um, so yeah, it is it it is a massive shock to see them go. Um, I'd say Audi less so than BMW because BMW I think are still relative uh, are still relatively up there, whereas Audi they aren't there or thereabouts at the moment. Um, but yeah, it was still a shock to see um, to see these teams go. Uh, I, I I think we'll expect the teams like the teams that actually run it. Um, aside from the factory effort, they're still going to stay in there. But yeah, Formula Formula is losing two of its manufacturers. Yes, we're we're only down to six now. What are we going to do with only six manufacturers on the grid? Um, uh, we we should be fine for the moment. However, the fact that these two were in forty eight hours of each other is a little bit scary. That both of them they they're, uh, they're not affiliated in 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 any way. If it was Audi and Porsche, they're both part of the Volkswagen Group, so it would have been uh, a bit less of a surprise to see the latter um, go. But um, but yeah, with um, with the fact that both these manufacturers decided to go, it could be really damning for Formula E, 100%. So, Ed, what I want you to talk about is the development roadmap, okay, and what your thoughts are on this. And is Formula E going too slow? Because in terms of what they can do, because, again, there's still no battery development. And I think, honestly, as a car manufacturer, what is holding back the electric car is the battery. And it's, you know, the most, you know, Alejandro Gag said it himself. The most important part of the electric powertrain is the battery, yet Formula E teams can't go anywhere near it. Those manufacturers want to jump at a battery. They would love to just have a go at it and make one, cause, and then hopefully that could boom the electric market. But that has been so, you know, that has been tendered out for other people. We've got Williams doing it now, which 
isn't even a car manufacturer. We had McLaren before that. At least made some sense that McLaren were doing it. Um, so, you know, what do you think about the roadmap? And do you think Formery is moving too slowly at this precise moment? On Williams making it, I think it does make sense uh, from Formula's point of view to go back to Williams because A, they worked with them before on the Gen 1 battery and Williams they have worked on four other manufacturers like Jaguar, they remember that Williams Advanced Engineering did the flywheel for Audi's uh, hybrid Le Mans car back in the day and so they do have a lot of experience in advanced engineering uh, so I don't think that's completely as left field as you make it sound but yeah, going back to the battery, I think uh, the one of the things that Gag was sort of talking about was in recent years really was going towards sort of uh, recharging, sort of wireless charging, and I wonder if maybe um, they felt either they felt that maybe PMW particularly uh, the way they specifically outlined the tech issues, whether they felt it wasn't happening fast enough, or perhaps they wanted something a little bit different, like maybe perhaps a replaceable batteries rather than rechargeable ones. Although we know that brings with it its own issues. Uh, interesting, I thought Audi mentioned that uh, they were going to Dakar and they were going to have an all-electric entry at Dakar, which they've never, they've never competed in Dakar before, but they're going to use the motors from the current Formula E car, the Season 7 one, uh, which is the first one that Audi produced in-house. I think Schaeffler were making it before. So, yeah, it's interesting. At the moment, Audi have got everything in-house. They have one final season in Formula E and then they switch to Dakar and, of course, going back to, um, back to Le Mans. Which, in a way, both of those sort of make sense, whereas I think BMW, more worryingly, haven't announced what they're going to do instead of Formula It seems they're just going to focus on their road car side of things. So, um, so yeah, it, it is a little bit worrying. I think especially the timing so close together wasn't great. Uh, Andretti seemed very shocked, actually, by BMW pulling out so soon. So, Roger Gurus, in interviews with him that I've read, he sounded a little bit kind of, oh, we'd, we knew they were considering it. We didn't think it would be so soon that we get that announcement. And so they're basically saying, well, we're either going to continue with BMW in season eight because the powertrain is homologated for the next two seasons, or we're going to have to go for a customer of a different uh, powertrain from a different manufacturer. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that all plays out now. So what I want to just clarify before we move on is that Andretti, to let the team entry for BMW will still be on the grid next season. So technically, Maximilian Gunther and Jake Dennis could still be driving next season per se. I know they're both BMW drivers, but you know, let's just, for argument's sake, they could still be there because it'd be the Andretti team or whoever Andretti partner with next season, whereas Audi, I think, are completely out the window. Um, that spot is available, so there will be a gap on the grid for someone to jump into, but it's basically, it's back like the Sauber. When BMW, hilariously, was at Sauber, and they left, and then the team became Sauber. So I, it's exactly the same with BMW as, as that situation. But Pico, what I want to sort of talk about is the Gen 3. Okay, and obviously we're talking about this roadmap and we're moving into Gen 3 and we're hoping that there's a step forward. But there's rumblings that there really isn't a, that much of a step forward. It's not that much of a huge leap as what maybe manufacturers would like uh, going into Gen 3. And, you know, the news story came out that Mahindra Racing has signed up to Gen 3. And I think everybody looked at that on Friday and went, yeah, of course, right? Everyone's going to sign up to Gen 3. Like, why wouldn't they sign up to Gen 3? And then, boom, no BMW, no Audi. So that means everyone has to sign up for Gen 3. So therefore, you've got Mercedes who have been rumbling. who are saying, well, we know, we're still here. But there's still things in place that we want to be checked out before making that commitment to going to Gen 3. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that will be the same with Porsche. I'm sure that will be the same with Jaguar, the same with Nissan. 
all those manufacturers now will be going, you know what, we want some security, some sort of thing that we can, tangible, that we can cling on to and say, yes, this series is going in the right direction. It is worth our time being in here. And if that doesn't happen, then this could just be the start, the simmering of the volcano erupting. And then maybe in a year's time, the full volcano could erupt. Well, yeah, I think with Gen 3, it kind of felt like the right thing at the right time. Uh, obviously, because of this pandemic, um, uh, car companies aren't spending as much uh, on on, do, on doing stuff. And that's why we've got this two-season homologated engine, which is actually a big thing, which is why we're so surprised about Audi and BMW leaving. Because their, uh, their, their powertrains will last until the end of Season 8, but they've decided to pull the plug at the end of Season 7, pun intended. Um, but yes, Gen 3 is going to be... Not a huge amount different. It's um, there, there's going to be 350 kilowatts power instead of 250, we believe. Um, and so yeah, it, there's there's an increase in the power in the powertrain, but it is this, it it is still just solely the powertrain that these manufacturers can alter. They can't they can't muck about with anything else um, uh, underneath the chassis, and they can't do anything to the chassis either. It is solely just the powertrain, and so. From a manufacturer standpoint, uh, Audi and BMW are like, yeah, we've developed this quite a fair bit over the previous years we've been doing this, and um, and uh, yeah, I think um, they just thought, yeah, we've done all we we have done all we can, and so thank so long, thanks for all the fish, yeah. Ed, do you think? Because testing finished, right? We'll talk about testing at some point in this show. Who knows when? Who knows how long this show will be? But the test, the, the final day, they were separated by seven temps. And coming from this and seeing that two teams are pulling out, is a field now separated by seven temps? And we keep saying at the every, every oh, it's going to be the most competitive championship ever in Formula E history. Has that actually been a detrimental thing for Formula E? Because is that showing that you know these manufacturers they have maximized pretty much all they can do with the powertrain and what they can achieve that there isn't that next step there isn't that there's nothing really in the future with the roadmap that they can really do to someone to make a big gain you know we had the dual motor system with nissan which could have changed the game but it got banned it got isolated and you know i know costs have been a, a huge reason for that but there was some innovation which I, I think a series like formerly desperately needs is innovation but we stopped it and then we're like well what's the point yeah there's a sense that um formerly decided to almost sacrifice innovation for competitive field because that creates a better tv product but then and i think we might get onto this a bit later to the fact of have they marketed that tv product uh to justify it and do it enough to justify doing that and i'm not sure there's a positive yes on on that one uh but yeah i think like you say the twin motor thing was was a big flashpoint i think it's also in the case of the smaller independent teams that just don't have the budget they just didn't want them to be left behind maybe and uh, of course that hasn't some of them they've still been a little bit uncompetitive anyway in recent years but i say for the beginning of season seven it seems that a lot of them have all caught up but if the pre-season testing is anything to go by so I, I I don't I don't know I don't think it's entirely under I think we have got some great racing because of it but has it come at the cost of 
you know, making these manufacturers disinterested from an engineering point of view. I think that is a very valid point that you raise. Jack, is Formula E failing then in its mission to sort of innovate the electric car? Because I remember like going to early press conferences, going to press conferences. I remember being at the Neo launch back in season four or five, or I can't remember which one, but I remember I was there at the launch and there was a thing there, Formula E were there, Alejandro Gag was there, and it was all about putting the electric, the internal combustion engine, sorry, in a museum, right? Can we say that Formula E are actually succeeding in that mission? Or do you think this news, what we've had this week, is proof at the moment that Formula E are actually failing in that mission? That's, it's, it's a tough one, because the thing is that Formula E is regarded kind of more as a, gr a grant for these manufacturers to develop their own equipment. Um, and so, so, so that they can put it into their road, um, uh, uh, in, in, into their road cars after. And so, yeah, in terms of, in, in terms of that, they're doing kind of okay at that, but they do, they, they do need to do, do more. I, I think the death of the internal combustion engine is still years and years and years away. Um, it, it will probably be next decade. Um, but it's still, but the thing is, it's, it's just not, it, it is the future, but it's still not the near future yet. It's, it's, it's coming. And this is where Formula E is, for, uh, for, uh, Formula E is making sure that, that they are prepared basically. Um, but it's just, it's just not really the time yet. So I think they do need to do more and more developing. And the thing is, Formula E aren't being a bit too restrictive on what they can and can't do. So, Ed, my point is, is there a time limit on Formula E then? This 23rd, so in the UK, and it is similar across other parts of the world, in the UK it was 2040, right? We had another 20 years until the internal combustion engine was going to be isolated and no more production cars could be made, you know, for the UK. Now it's 2030. It's been reduced by 10 years. So by 2030, we need to be, and 10 years, it sounds like a million miles away, but in, in retrospect, it's quite close. So is Formula E, are we going to be ready by the time? Is the electric car going to be ready by 2030 in order to, you know, take to the road, be reliable in terms of range and able to actually get people to do massive motorway distances, business calls, you know, everything that a petrol engine and internal combustion engine can do at the moment. Would an electric car be ready? And is that Formula E's job to ensure that we are ready? Yeah, well, I think Toto Wolff was saying this in sort of response to Audi and BMW leaving, that he sort of says that racing is a laboratory and it sort of shows uh, what you can do when you push this stuff to its maximum. And like I said, we've got certain EV companies uh, are in Formula E that are using it uh, to some, sometimes just like the software or the perhaps even the hardware in terms of the motors using that reusing it in their road cars uh 2030 is an ambitious target i think um we even have uh, the the other problem is that it doesn't feel like every manufacturer is on the same page when it comes to electrification we have a big story going on at the moment with uh uh the whole ev report that sort of 
saying that our EVs aren't actually all that sustainable and it's all tosh wash basically but, uh, and it's a lot of links to maybe Aston Martin funding that report so yeah not everyone is on the same page necessarily and so I, th I think that's a little bit what uh, a series like 4 million maybe to a lesser extent Extreme E as well with their SUVs is kind of up against and it's interesting that Agag has sort of shifted gears and focused more on Extreme E than Formula E in, uh, in recent years and now it seems like Formula E is in crisis and Agag is sort of well I got this other thing going on is that I do wonder if maybe that's Agag uh, sort of uh, uh, putting his eggs in both baskets if that makes sense sort of uh, Formula E goes under I've got Extreme E so <laughs> I don't know I just think it's a, it's a lot there's a lot can happen at the moment but what I want to do Jack is turn my attention to Audi I want to turn my attention to Audi because we said it makes sense right you said earlier part of the Porsche and the Volkswagen group like Porsche Audi basically the same thing even though people might argue it's not the same thing but same sort of brand and company overall um but my question is are they running away you know they said oh different direction we're going to do Dakar rally we're going to go into back into Le Mans are they running away from Formula E? And because when we saw it, and I think most of us, I think, saw it at first and went, you were the worst German manufacturer last season. And Audi being seen, or let's say Mercedes were the worst manufacturer, or, you know, BMW, for example, you don't want to be seen as the worst German manufacturer in a championship that is providing the next generation of, of motor vehicles. And instead of competing to try and be better than them they're just running away do you agree with that sort of statement you've actually come to the right man about this because i've because i've been doing an insight on um germany's decline in motorsports so you've done a great job to come for me for that one um yeah no germany's kind of like mindset is all towards like they need to dominate they need to be the best that they can physically possibly be and that's why like the german there is a german decline in motorsport at the moment and to be the worst manufacturer from Germany, that is not something that anyone really, that's not something that any of the four manufacturers want to be associated with. And so, yeah, and it, and, and it does make sense, especially with, um, especially with Porsche coming in now. And I, I, I do feel like this is just going to run and run and run because Audi were in WEC, Porsche came to WEC, Audi left WEC to go to Formula E. Porsche left WEC to go to Formula E. Audi's now leaving Formula E, and so it's it's just going to roll on and on and on. Um, but yeah, it's um obvi obviously it's really it's 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 disappointing from an from from a from a fan standpoint. But the thing is, the these teams they're here, they want to win. So if they're seen that they're not doing well, then they will they will not have it, and they will shut up shop, and they will go. So is that just part Ed of a racing ethos? Like we've seen it before. If you're not winning, if you're not getting that benefit that you wanted, you just shut up shop. So, you know, is Audi covering up a Formula E exit, you know, to do these exciting things in Dakar and Le Mans simply because they know at the moment maybe they can't catch up to Mercedes or they can't catch up to BMW or they don't have the resources to catch up to those teams. So therefore you know, it's time to call it quits. I don't know. I feel like Audi have got the the some great personnel uh, working for them. Like Alan McNish's team principal has done a pretty consistently good job, despite the fact this team has sort of declined ever since Audi sort of properly took over in season four. Uh, I, I think you've got to remember the beginning of the year, they left ETM 
uh, they announced they were leaving D10, which was unthinkable be before they had been in it for so long. And that's the sort of premier German touring cars, that sort of series. And then ever since then, we sort of knew from April onwards they were in a sort of review status. So they have new people coming on board to the Audi board, I guess, AG, Audi Group and uh, making uh, sort of decisions. They have a new CEO who's recently taken over just a few days ago, funnily enough. And um, and it really feels like they sat down, they look, why are we spending 25 to 35 million to finish sixth in the championship when we were winning before? Uh, uh, how do we sort of justify that? And in terms of business, especially during a pandemic, of course, which we haven't mentioned so far. Uh, which has sort of exacerbated the situation. I think these were, you were right when what you said at the stop of the show, that these were small problems before, but the pandemic has sort of catalyzed these problems, brought them to the head, brought, them, brought things to a head a lot quicker than it, I think it would otherwise. So, yeah, I think there is a sense that, oh, well, manufacturers do come and go, and you can't keep all of them, you can't keep like 10 or 11 manufacturers informally like forever. Sooner or later, something did have to give, but at the same time, it is a sign uh, of, um, a little bit kind of disunity that not all the teams are pushing in the right direction in the same direction and you're not necessarily right because right? if you've got different opinions that doesn't mean that one of them is wrong it's just everyone's it feels like all the teams want something different from gen 3 and from formula in general and perhaps uh, uh, a team like Mahindra is getting it but Audi and BMW clearly feel they're not so there we go so what I want to move to now Jack is this return of investment, because we're sort of alluding to it there, right? What is the return of investment of Audi being in a championship where they're finishing in six, for example? Now, what I want to talk about and what a lot of people on Twitter have said is well, who's watching this championship? Like, you know, and when you think about it... We are. When I, we're watching. Well, we're watching. Uh, true. But when, when, we, when they say that, you know... You know, people compare the viewing figures, rightly or wrongly, but people do compare it to Formula One. And, you know, Formula One can bring in 100 million people around the world that watches it. You know, Formula E might be lucky to get 100,000 people around the world watching Formula E, right? And which is like a one-tenth scale, right? Which people have been branding. And I was like, oh, that's not, can't be a reason, right? The technology is more important. But then I was like, hang on. These teams, yes, they're racers. Yes, they want to pioneer this technology. But if they're not getting prize money, which we have to remember, prize money, it doesn't come out of thin air. Prize money comes out from TV contracts and people watching it. And if no one's watching it, if you're not attracting people, and formerly we've been trying to attract people for years, but then when you see that in the UK, a huge market, a huge racing fan base, is stuck somewhere on the internet, on BBC iPlayer, and it's kind of fiddly to get to. It's not in front of someone. You have to go out searching to get Formula E coverage, which might put people off or might make people just forget that Formula E is on. So when prize money, and we can see like the Premier League, talk to Premier League, the Premier League is one of the most hotly expensive, you know, TV money costs in the world, right? Probably up there with Formula 1, probably more than Formula 1 right and that's why premier league teams are so rich it's because the prize money plus the tv money that they get is huge so they can keep running and then we get these incredible 200 million transfer fees and incredible budgets that they have whereas in formula e these teams are huge mercedes are a huge team bmw audi they're huge teams that can have the ability to have huge budgets and 
could then spend 60 million on a car. Easy, easy. But if they finish fourth or third or even first in the championship and they get 20 million, 10 million, 15 million for winning the championship, then the return of investment is completely gone. And therefore, what's the point of being in a championship when I have to spend X amount of money but not even make a profit at the end of the season? I think you hit the nail on the head there, Jack. Uh, but one thing with one thing with TV rights, and I think this is one thing that Formula E really haven't capitalised on um, at all, is that every everywhere around the world now, basically, um, the Formula One is shown on pay TV channels, and this is something that Formula E has failed to capitalise on every single time. Uh, it was. Uh, um, here in here in the UK, they've shoved it on the on the red button. Yes, there was opportunities given to Channel Five and ITV in the past, but even even when it was on IT when it was on ITV Four, um, they I mean, like Formula E would get maybe a quarter of what the amount of views that there would be for the British Touring Car Championship on the same channel, and. And and the thing is, it it it, it was developed. It, it was developing at the time. The fact that there's this connection between um, Formula E and Discovery is actually really good because it means that it can go out on Eurosport in every single country in Europe. And actually, that's one thing that I do think that they haven't capitalised on in the UK as well. That they haven't put or they they haven't just given it to Quest and shoved all the races on Quest for the entire season because the thing is behind behind the red button you're not you're not going to get the you're not going to get the viewers you've got um yes we had we, we were supposed to have two races this year we only got marrakesh in the end on bbc2 but um yeah i think in in, in america the fact that they're changing coverage this year to uh, cbs i think uh i think that'll be good because it's on been on fox for like the last five years but the thing is they need to capitalize so much more they need to I, and I think this is something that they should have done maybe five or so years ago is that they should they should have just said, put this on your channels. We'll give you X amount to just put this on your channel on a Saturday afternoon. That's what they should have done. And then once it starts picking up a following, then the bidding war starts between who, who it is. But I think TV rights is one thing that they've just formulated, have dropped the ball on far too long. And there was a point a couple of years ago where the option for the UK was literally just going to be YouTube. And so the fact that it, and so, yeah, there, there, there are, I mean, you, you could, you could have an anatomy of formula E and go, there's an issue, there's an issue, there's an issue, there's an issue, there's an issue. Whereas like you can still do that with every single motor racing series, but it's just not to the extent that it is with formula E, unfortunately. My question is though, Ed, will formula E ever, have the following because it's such a new motorsport and because it's so out there and because it's so new and innovating will it ever have the potential to grow to maybe have an audience of 500,000 600,000 a million or 10 million people you know will it ever get there that's an interesting question yeah i uh, i sort of feel like it's a niche within a niche right and uh, i i don't know we talked about how it sort of get 
got formerly in the UK got over the years has sort of been passed around uh, some of the major channels like a kind of beach ball and uh, it's not really made uh, too much traction on any of them I, I think the thing is that formerly amongst the general public and I, I think this is certainly true in the UK I'm not sure if it's a worldwide thing as well but there's a sense that it kind of even after seven seasons it still lacks a sort of credibility that other series seem to have uh, especially amongst motorsport fans I mean, maybe people who don't watch other motorsports don't feel the same way but there's a sense that uh, especially towards fan boost as well seems to be the real big sticking point that people have I feel like that's scared away more fans than it's attracted over the years it'd be interesting if there was a way of measuring that of course but I don't have one to hand the other thing I, I get the sense that Jamie Regal and the new CEO formula is taking over from a gag I get the sense that formula's manager they're sort of in denial about how bad things are because I read a the article by the race that Sam Smith wrote where he basically said we found a letter that Regal wrote uh, during Berlin and it basically didn't seem to mention any of the problems that Audi or BMW were hung up with at all it seemed to be like well we're doing a great job considering all the challenges we've got and everything's fine and uh, you get the sense that they think the audience is growing but the statistics don't necessarily seem to back that up in terms of TV viewing figures and stuff so I do think there is concern. There are things they can do. What they've done so far, st gimmicky stuff like uh, the Voltage show they did uh, a few seasons ago with just influencers who didn't care about the sport and were just being paid to be there. I thought that, again, was another thing that did more harm than good for the sport in terms of trying to attract new viewers. You, you've got to make sure it has credibility. That's what's important to me. Because if people just think it's a joke, they lose interest. And the last thing I want to talk about, Jack, on this topic is, okay, we're talking about opening up the, the regs. And obviously that will cause more money, you know, but will that inevitably just cause more damage for the series? Because then you're spending more money, but you're not getting that much return. So if we were to open up the regs without having the TV audience, then that will do more damage to the series because that gulf will be there in terms of that investment and teams making much more of a loss that more manufacturers will pull out. Yeah, it's um, it it's a risky one, but I think it's a risk that Formula E kind of have to take because, it, based on, based on what Audi and BMW have done, it's basically the fact that they can't. Um, they've done as much developing as they think that they can slash want to do, and that's ba and that's basically that they yeah. And, and and that's it. What they need to do is they need to listen to the teams a lot more. In in Formula One, it feels like the teams have too much control. But in Formula E, you need the teams to have a fair amount of control to ki to kickstart a series. You need the teams to be heavily involved with with how it works. I mean, don't don't mess with qualifying. Qualifying's great. That's one thing that I will say. But um, apart from that, everything around that, get the teams involved, see what they want to do, and just don't run it like a one-man show. I, I get your point, but just before we wrap up, right, let's just talk about testing very quickly. Obviously, three days, and kind of a weird three days, we didn't get really to know much. I would love to know your... Just views from testing. Who do you think is quick? Who do you think is struggling? Um, from what you've sort of gathered and all the information and all the research that you guys have done. We'll start with you, Ed. What did you make from preseason testing? 
Well, uh, unfortunately, we talk so much about BMW. Gunther was fastest for BMW. It's just a shame that it's somewhat been overshadowed by more recent news. Uh, I was looking more at the lap counts, actually, and I just go, Neo 333 are very proud of the fact that they set the most laps of anybody. I think it was like over 330 laps, 335, I think, total, that Blomquist and Turvey did together. And so that bodes very well for their new untested powertrain. All the rookies did really well. Jake Dennis, another BMW driver. Uh, did very well, acquitted himself quite well. Norman Nato really impressed me too. So lots of positive stories that did come out of testing, even if we can't read too much into the order at the moment, in my opinion. Pico, what did you make of testing? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Obviously, we can't read much into pre-season testing, as is with basically every series in the world. Pre-season testing is pre-season testing. It means almost nothing. But yeah, Neo topped uh, topped the lap count, which was insane. Uh, One thing that was really surprising to me is that the Dragons were two and three. So could could this be a resurgence for Dragon? Well, we we don't know yet. But the thing is, with, with, with the times in testing is that the entire field from um, from Max Gunter down to Lucas Di Grassi based on, based on best times throughout the entire testing is 0.578 of a second. So that's pretty exciting. I'm really, really looking forward to this, um, this season. However much racing we get, I'm sure as we go on, the situation around the world will get better and we'll be, we'll be able to have these races. I think we will have... Uh, I think we'll have a Valencia race and an Estoril race or something like that. But, um, but yeah, I think um, this season, I think it's teed up quite nicely. Um, and also it's quite, yeah, quite nice to see Neo. I think Ollie, Ollie Turvey was 10th in overall in the standings or something. But yeah, ev- ed- yeah, yeah ed- ed- everything, ed- ed- everything's so unbelievably close. Um, uh, so yeah, Mah- Mahindra, Alexin was 7th. Um, but yeah, Jaguar looked nowhere. Um, neither do Audi. Uh, it's 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 going to be really really exciting to see who who's up, who's down, and it's just going to be a crazy crazy season. That was for me. You said it there. Jaguar look nowhere, and for me, that was what I was interested in. All my final day was what are Jaguar doing because they look nowhere. Samba twenty third, but Mitch Evans was like fifth sixth, so it was really hard to gauge where Jaguar was because they didn't really do much. Um, over the for three day period, to be honest with you, the first two days I was like, "What's going on? What are you running? Are you running at one eighty or something? Are you proper sandbagging? Like, what's going on?" But boys, that was a hell of an episode. Thank you so much for being on. I really enjoyed that one. Oh, I could tell. Uh, see you, Jamie. <laughs> Right, so thank you so much for watching. Um, remember to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you're really enjoying these FEZ shows, then that makes uh, that's a massive help to see your support. And thank you so much for all the comments and the kind words that we have been getting over the past couple of weeks from the shows. Um, it's been great to see. Again, if you want to come and join us in our Discord community, all FE topics are t- chatted about in there. So come and join the Discord group. Um, Thank you so much for watching the FEZ show. We'll be back because we've got tons more to talk about. How we managed to fit this in in like under 40 minutes, I don't know. But thank you so much for watching. We will see you very soon. Goodbye.